Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host, and uh, it's another Saturday morning. Mother Nature's kind of helping out. It's March. The sun's high in the sky, and spring has sprung. Whether we like to admit it or not, it's coming. The first pansies have started to bloom in the greenhouse. And uh, I posted a picture on Facebook a few days ago about this, and uh, Bonnie wrote in, so ready to get my hands in the dirt. And then Kathleen responded, oh my God, me too. So it's happening. We're all getting excited about spring. We've got kind of cabin fever. Most of the winter is over, although March and April can be a winter month here in Maine. But what I want to talk about today a little bit is there's plenty of things going on in the garden center. We're opening. We're open this morning. A little bit later in the day here, we'll be open. Uh, first day of the season here in Yarmouth. It's an exciting day for us because we've been working so hard for a couple months to get ready for all of you folks to come in and check out all our new stuff. Uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about terrariums. We're going to be talking a little bit about fairy gardens. And how could you forget about the flower show that starts later this coming week uh, on the 6th with the gala and we'll talk about kind of some of the things that are going on there and uh, seed starting it's time to kind of get going in your home it's time to start to get those seeds ready we'll talk about kind of some of the problems you might have starting off seeds in the house um, what your conditions might want to be and how we want to start so we have a bunch of questions from customers today, and we'll start out with terrariums. Susan from Falmouth, um, I had a terrarium as a kid. Boy, what a fond memory that is. You know, that little terrarium that sat on the nightstand or, or on the kitchen table or, or out in the living room. Is this a hard thing to do? What's the biggest problems I can encounter? Which plants should I use? Are there special containers? Terrariums are extremely easy. You can use just about any container that you have around the house that'll hold moisture. So you can either use saran wrap over the top of a bowl. A couple things that you want to do. It's very important, Susan, that you do not put it in direct hot sun. Because if you think about it, it's, it's like a little greenhouse. It's all sealed up. You don't want those plants to get really, really hot inside. You want to make sure that you know you have ample moisture in there, but every time you put it in really hot sun, it's going to perspire in there, and, and what's going to happen is all of a sudden you're going to have a little rain shower inside your container. Terrariums, it's very important to moderate moisture. So if it's in a real hot spot, you need to vent it periodically. So a part sun location is best. You can use any type of container, though. We sell fancy ones, everything that looks from, you know, uh, Victorian type structures that are filled with glass and beautiful decorative piece which can be a piece of art in your home which you can switch out seasonally or you can use something very simple as a, a an old antique bottle with a nice top or a mason jar so anything that will hold moisture will will work I would say the biggest problems usually people try to overwater terrariums there's no drainage in a terrarium they typically don't have a hole in the bottom so it's a sealed container you want to be very careful about overwatering terrariums because the water sits down in the bottom. 
The other thing is you want to make sure there's really good drainage. So buying a nice, you know, pea stone or a small rock that you can put in the bottom, layer that in the bottom, then put some soil on top, then put your plants in, and maybe add some moss. Moss is a really good thing, um, and moss has come a long way because now you can buy it in sheets and in live moss in multiple styles in the garden center. And what the moss does is it gives plenty of space around your plants, and it also holds extra moisture. And decorative, it's really nice, too. So, you know, all of those things, you know, you can kind of see the drainage would be very important. So that rock in the bottom, it will hold a little bit of moisture. You also can see inside the glass container, you know, how much moisture is in the bottom of that pot or container. So you can kind of moderate things. Venting is always important. You know, periodically letting fresh air into that container is not a bad thing. It's not necessary all the time. And then choice of plants. You know, making sure you have some things that will stay a little bit smaller. Not being afraid of taking things out that are getting too big and adding something new. It's a great way to add other house plants back into your house as they get too big for your terrarium. Take them out, transplant them into a nice pot, and add them back out into your environment in your home and start something that's going to eventually flourish and be nice and big in your home over the years. So many different ways you can use terrariums. They're an excellent gift. You take a small container, you put a couple little plants, some moss, a little bit of rock, um, maybe add a little fairy garden structure in there and give it as a gift when you go to dinner at someone's house. Easy for them to, to care for, but a, a very inexpensive thing. You can do it with any kind of type of container you have laying around the house. So a good way to kind of also give a gift. I'd like to thank Susan for that topic. Terrariums are back on the rise. They're becoming more popular. Again, it's an easy thing, and you can kind of use them year-round. Terrariums are something that... I think we all should be doing. It's a great way to add back in some oxygen into our homes, too. Um, you know, those plants will build oxygen in those uh, containers, and as you vent them, it will naturally put oxygen back into your house. And house plants are always a good thing in the home. It's great to clean your environment. It's a great way to keep your environment clean. It, Susan is, is dead on. Um, we're going to go ahead and thank her for this question, and we're going to talk fairy gardens a little bit. They kind of go hand in hand. And uh, Scott from York sent a question in. I want to start a fairy garden with my kids. When is the best time to start? When is it safe to start outside? And when can we fairy garden year-round? Or, or how can we fairy garden year-round? Well, we just talked about terrariums. And that's an excellent way to start a fairy garden indoors. It's a great way to get your kids involved. And for a lot of you that don't know what fairy gardens are, obviously fairies are, are everywhere. There's something magical about a fairy. We find them here, there, everywhere in the garden. It's their home. We ought to be careful about damaging their habitat when we're gardening. So we need to be safe when it comes to fairies. But fairy gardening has been on the rise here in Maine for a number of years. We've added a very big department in our store here in Yarmouth. But it's a great way to get kids involved in gardening. So we've talked a little bit in past shows about vegetable gardening and getting kids involved. Now we're going to talk a little bit about fairy gardening and how, how we can get kids to interact with us. And this is a great way to do it year-round, where vegetable gardening is a little bit tougher 
Fairy gardening, you know, we can start with a terrarium. We can start with a house plant. We can build structures outdoors in the winter. But when you take a terrarium and you, you start to add, you know, maybe it's a little bench or it's a little arbor or a nice little decorative pot in there, it's, it's a way for the kids to kind of maybe dream a little bit, you know. And I think we've lost dreaming for, for a while here. Um, kids need to dream. They need to think big and enjoy gardening. And fairy gardening kind of, you know, hits at all those little grassroots of what kids are all about. So in the winter, what you can do is you can build structures outside. So maybe you go out into the, you know, the woodland and you start building some little houses out of the twigs that are falling off the trees all winter. Um, clear out a place in the snow, kind of make a little bit of structure. Mackworth Island in Falmouth has a phenomenal fairy garden. It's really a place I would recommend taking a walk. Um, it's nothing purchased. It's all made by people who just are taking walks out there. It's a great walk around the island. And then you also can, you'll come up a, a, upon the fairy garden, and there's all these little homes. There's all these little structures, you know, that people have just stopped and made along the way. So I would definitely recommend going and checking that out. Winter's obviously a tougher time. Hopefully the snow is melting, and we'll be able to go ahead and and uh, see some of those here soon. Um, Mother Nature will give us that blessing here pretty soon. But take it inside. Use the terrarium. Use other containers. You can just do an open pot with, you know, house plants and little moss and make little stone pathways and add some little garden structures. And it doesn't have to be in a terrarium. It can be an open air type planter. It can be something that you have a, a big house plant and you do a little tr little uh, fairy garden around the base. So get your kids involved. Maybe put one in their, in their room where they have to maintain it. They have to water it. They have to kind of play with it a little bit. Obviously, some of these things are small. So you want to make sure your children are appropriate age, you know, because we don't want anybody choking on anything. So, you know, if they're a little bit younger, probably keep them in a common area so that you can work with them. And that terrarium may be a great scenario because the kids can't get in and pick up all of that type of, of stuff. When is it safe to, to start outside? Well, we talked a little bit about, you know, you can build houses and kind of get your structures ready for outside. It's really probably you're looking towards the end of May before you can do a lot with annuals and smaller things like that. But you can start in probably April or late March with some of your trees and shrubs. We sell little dwarf conifers that are in little four-inch pots uh, that are, you know, six to eight inches tall. Um, we sell little ground cover perennials. Ground covers are great for fairy gardens. You know, they have small leaves. They have nice little textures. You know, so you can build structures anytime. You can even build them in the house and get them ready to put out later on in the spring. Um, or you can turn around and you can just start outside. Um, but as far as planting, it kind of follows the, the typical rule of thumb. You know, your trees and shrubs are definitely an April-May thing. You know, you obviously can plant trees or shrubs anytime during the growing season. But, you know, we can start in April, late March, early April. Um, then you turn to perennials and, and uh, annuals, and you're probably in May and June. 
Annuals later towards the end of May. Perennials you can probably start a little bit early. You can you can start down around probably the first of May on perennials. But you want to be cautious. Come into the garden center. Talk to us about the weather conditions. Talk to us about how we can help you with your choices for fairy garden. We certainly will have a display in there that will have many different choices. But then go wander out into the yard. Talk to our employees. It's important to kind of look outside the box. Nothing is sacred in Fairy Garden. You can do anything you want. You can do any sizes you want. You can make a big garden a Fairy Garden. It doesn't have to be all miniatures. You can use the trees and shrubs that you physically have in your garden now and add some different things. So don't be afraid to experiment. I'd like to thank Scott for asking this question because Fairy Garden is kind of something that I think we're all going to get more and more into. I know I'm going to start one in my yard. Uh, It's just kind of a a fun little thing to do. And uh, we're going to take a break and be back with more of the Joy of Gardening from Estabrooks on News Talk WLOB. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Maspoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. The only thing you can be certain about is uncertainty. And that's why I want to introduce you and your family to Free Legacy Food, a company that offers affordable and delicious emergency food with a shelf life of up to 25 years. Think about the disasters that have taken place over the last 10 years. You and your family's survival is your responsibility. Go to FreeLegacyFood.com, FreeLegacyFood.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. Just talking fairy gardens and terrariums today. A fun, fun thing to do, but let's talk spring. It's flower show time. I always look at this as it's the kickoff to spring. So flower show, the 6th through the 10th, gala opening on the 6th from 6 to 9. The gala is always a fun event. It's the time when all the awards are given out. The gardens are done. For folks who are involved in the show, it's time to kind of let loose a little bit and enjoy all the hard work. A lot of people don't realize that the flower show is not really just a week of work. The flower show is months and months of work. When we're typically doing a garden, we're planning on this garden in August the previous year. We start thinking about ideas, about plans. We have to make plant choices to force you know, sometime in August or September to make sure all you folks don't buy all our nice stuff in the fall. So we have to set aside a lot of time, energy, and money for this show. It's one of those 
times where it's the toughest time of the year for us as a garden center to do a show because we've got so much going on in the greenhouse to get ready for you folks for April, May, and June. It's usually the toughest time for us because we're planting the largest number of plants right at that week for you later on in the spring. It's the time when we have to do the most amount of work in a shortest period of time. So, But we always feel it's important to do the show. Now, we've been in and out of the show for many years, and this year we're doing a, a display at the entrance. We're not having an actual garden in the, in the garden area. We're rolling out a new line of plants called Hort Couture. Hort Couture is, is a line of plants, and I've talked about it a couple other times on the show. It's a line of plants that it's, it's centered around tropicals and all that fun stuff when you go on vacation in January and February, you know, get out of Maine weather, just sick of this place. You go down to the Dominican Republic where I went this past January um, and you see those hibiscus in bloom and all those other tropicals that are flowering hedges and all these beautiful, you know, places. You go down to Florida. We visited my wife's family down in Florida and, you know, all these different tropicals are flowering. It's time for us to start using some of those in Maine. We have a very short season, but those are always fond memories for me. You know, you, you could get out of here in Maine in the winter. Why not bring some of that back with us? You know, let's enjoy some of that in the summer. Now, summer in Maine is just a fabulous place, let's face it. You know, the wind off the water. We have maybe one week of bad humidity that we all need to get on the water. But here in Maine... Their conditions are such that we heat up so slow in the spring. You know, if you think about May, it can be 28 degrees at night and 42 degrees during the day. Or it can be 70 during the day and 50 at night. So with tropicals, we need to kind of think a little bit differently. We need to protect them a little bit more from our harsh early spring you know, we're really starting to talk about Mother's Day as far as when we can start using these plants. And then if it's going to be cold, we're going to have to probably shelter them. We're going to have to bring them in. We're going to have to fuss with them a little bit more. But the reward in July and August is unbelievable. July and August for me is always the toughest time because it's kind of that time when perennials are really starting to look great and annuals are just thriving but texture is something that I always like to add into the garden. More color, more height, you know, in our containers. So Horticulture focuses on not only annuals and different annuals. I mean, we've got some really cool stuff that's new, but it also focuses on tropicals. Something like elephant ears, you know, those great big leaves, you know, that can take up a center of a pot, give you height, give you texture, can be used in sun or shade. Everything from tree form hibiscus, you know, something that is a nice single stem, comes up about three feet, has a nice big head, and then all of a sudden beautiful oranges, reds, yellow flowers that just keep popping every single day. Kind of something that will add to your patio when you sit there later that evening after a long, hard day of work. Maybe make a nice mojito from the mint you're growing in the pot underneath. And you sit there and you get to enjoy it. Maybe have a conversation with your significant other. And just kind of waste away the day. Now on my deck, there's a hot tub. So I like to have the mojito in the hot tub. Able to look out at the flowers and relax. Turn down the hot tub, though, in the middle of July and August. It's a little warm for me, so I turn it down a little bit. But 
I, I would definitely recommend some of these plants. The nice part about horticulture is there's a lot of specifically different things. You know, a lot of different textures, a lot of different colors. We'll have samples of a lot of these things all grown in our booth. So you can touch them. You can feel them. You can come up with ideas. You can take notes. Horticulture is something that we added because it's new. It's different. And I'm sorry, but I get kind of bored with the same old things every single year. I get bored with not able to change it up. In the last number of years, there really hasn't been a lot in annuals that has been that exciting, that's been that new. This year, we've got all kinds of new stuff. So Flower Show, that's what we're doing. But there's over 14 gardens that are going to be in the show this year. Who knows what they're going to do? That's what the exciting part about Flower Show is. And, you know, a lot of times... It's not something you're able to do in your yard. It's whimsical. It's something that you go, why would you even do something like that? You know, because I can't do that in my yard. But what you have to realize is many people do many different things in their yard. And what the company does in the flower show does not necessarily replicate what they do for business. So go up, look at their pictures, talk to them about their ideas. Even if you're going to do it yourself, Go ahead and talk to them about how they did it, what it took, what effort. One thing is these folks have been focusing on this display for months and months. It all has to come together in a week, and it all has to come down in two days. It's always, always easier to come down than it is to put it together. But the flower show is a place for ideas. You don't ha necessarily have to replicate exactly what someone does in their display, but maybe it's that one plant you say, you know what, I could really use that. The other thing is most all of the plants that are in the flower show are all spring-blooming plants. So talk to the nurseries, talk to the display folks, ask them what would go well with these spring-blooming plants for later on in the garden. Because the flower show is all about spring-blooming plants. It's the only plants that we can force to get in bloom by March. We can't get hydrangeas easily. We can't get Rows of Sharon. All of these things that bloom later in the summer, it's nearly impossible for us to do because we can't get the plants to go dormant early enough in the fall. If we could, we could force them, but we can't. So what you see at a flower show is all spring, early blooming plants. Now, you're going to see some annuals. Obviously, those are, are later in the spring and summer. You know, But focus in on the rock. Focus in on how they built the, the rock wall or the patio or, or that nice stone walkway. Ask questions about what type of materials they use, what they put for base underneath them. Don't be afraid to ask questions about what type of work they do. Look at those pictures. Look at the, the books because it's important to kind of get a grasp of the wide array of business that they may be able to do. Now, when I go to the flower show, it's a wonderful old building. It's quirky. It's easy for us to get in and out with trailer loads of mulch and big stone and tons of plants. But it's a little hard for you as a customer to get in there. Luckily, we've had some new parking garages in Portland that have been put up. We have, you know, many areas that it's easier to get to the show. So don't hesitate to come regardless of the time that you have but I always recommend the parking garage right close. It costs a little bit of money, but it's an easy way to get in and out. The other thing is, if your husband needs to go pick up the car because you bought too much, he can run and get the car. 
and then help you load on the way out? Smart move. I've had to do that a couple times. Flower Show, the theme is timeless gardens. So that's wide open. You know, I would assume we're going to see some very retro gardens, but I have no idea. That's a nice theme this year. Our display is going to be very interesting. I'm excited to see what people are going to going to think about it. It's something totally different. We've never done anything like it. It's a very interesting display. Um, something that I'm excited about. And one rec- recommendation, I've talked about this on shows before, is come Friday evening. Come Friday evening. So Friday, it's open till 7 p.m. So get out of work and come to the show. You get out of work at 5-ish, come over. Friday evening is usually the slowest evening. And, you know, I think it's because everybody's had a long week and a lot of people make plans on Friday evening. But because there aren't that many people Friday evening, the last couple hours, you can zip through and see the show and be very, very happy with the time spent. You can get up close to the gardens. You can see exactly, you know, what you might need. You also have plenty of time with the people who are manning the display because there aren't the crowds of Saturday. So Friday evening is always a great time to come. And then, you know, Portland is just known for its food. So go down to the old port or get into your favorite restaurant. You know, make reservations for, you know, 7.30 or 8 o'clock. Go grab a drink and then go have dinner um, and, and support our local businesses here in Portland. It's a great way to do the show. You know, make an evening out of it, date night, surprise your wife, buy tickets. You know, when it comes to tickets, you know, it's important, if you can, buy them in advance. You know, you're going to save $2. You know, advance purchase tickets are $13, 12 for seniors, 65 and over, and $10 for groups of 10 or more. So if you have a big group, buy them in advance. If you come to the door, it's $15. So it's not outrageous, but... Children under 12 are free, okay? So bring the kids, or don't bring the kids, one of the one way or the other. If it's date night, probably not the kids. But that Friday night or off times, you know, Saturday late in the day is another good time. But to bring the kids Saturday morning is crazy in there. I wouldn't recommend it if it's the only time you have come see the show. But certainly... You know, that later part of the day is a great time to bring the kids. Now, obviously, depending on the age of the kids, you know, it might not be a great time. It might be getting towards bedtime. But that Friday night is is a great time. Highlights, you know, the show, there's all kinds of seminars. You know, visit the show website. Probably on Sunday, the program will come out. Take a look for, you know, some of your favorite topics, and maybe that will you know, kind of dictate what time you want to go see the show. I think there's some great seminars this year. Stop in our booth. Tell us what you like about the radio show, what you don't like about the radio show, what would make it easier for you to interact with us on the radio show. Our plan is to go live with the show eventually and, you know, get into that calling question and answers type scenario. So, You know, that's one direction we're going, but I'd love to hear some questions. You know, I'm going to have a box at the Flower Show where you can fill out a sheet to submit questions for the radio show. So stop by the booth if you'd like, um, submit a question, or I'll be there most of the show. Say hello, 
Uh, let me know how the show is going. Uh, if you have other things or needs you, you need, certainly talk to me about that. And the last thing about Flower Show that is, is just a phenomenal event, and we've always tried to support this when we're in the show, is the plant auction. The Cumberland County Master Gardeners have a plant auction at the end of the show. It's a great way for them to fundraise. And I don't know if everybody understands, you know, what the Master Gardener Association does for gardening here in the state of Maine. It's one of those associations that continually is educating the public. They're a great way for us to get information as garden centers. And the extension service is there for you as a customer. It's there for you to be able to contact them about disease and insect problems for gardening issues that you have. So there's support, you know, above and beyond your local garden center. All the items in the plant auction are from exhibitors and vendors, okay? And they they go to benefiting the staff and programs of the Master Gardener Program and Extension Service. They'll be holding a silent auction this year. Um, which begins at 12 p.m. on Sunday, okay? So in the past, it's been wide open, you know, at the end of the show, and they do this big auction. This year, they're doing a silent auction. It starts at noontime on Sunday. So if there's things you really want in that auction, you come Saturday and you say, wow, this is really cool. Maybe some of these things are going to be in the auction. So you come back at noontime, then you might have to come back at 5 o'clock to win the auction because it's a silent auction. Um, If you'd like more information about the auction, you can call 207-780-4205 and ask them about the planned auction. Master Gardener Program and Extension are a key thing. We'd love to make sure you, you can support them. If you have something you'd like to donate to the auction, I'd recommend contacting them. Um, I'm sure they'd be happy to take donations also. So Portland Flower Show, it's always a big week here in Maine. It's something that, that we all should get out there and, and attend. It's something that uh, I like to say kicks off spring. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks on News Talk WLOB. Geico says, let's make life simpler. Look, I'm all for modern conveniences. But ask yourself, do you really need a blender with 23 buttons just to chop an onion? At GEICO, we think life should be simpler. So we make it super simple to save on car insurance. Just one click and you could be on your way to saving hundreds. Come on, people. Life doesn't have to be that complicated. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I'm Professor Burke from the University of Farmers, and this is a pop quiz. What's the best way to find out what your auto policy covers? A. Smash your car up and see how much your insurance pays. Or B. Talk to a highly trained farmer's agent and see if you have the coverage you want. The answer is B. Please don't attempt A. That's just crazy town. If you want answers about auto insurance, you want a farmer's agent. Find yours at Farmers.com. We are insurance. We are farmers. Coverage not available in all states. Safe Light Repair, Safe Light Replace. Ryan, technician with Safe Light Auto Glass. So you think all auto glass companies are the same? Well, they're not. With Safe Light, you get more. Every windshield we replace is backed by a national lifetime guarantee, keeping you covered wherever you are. 
Plus, SafeLite has more glass in stock than anyone, so we can get to you faster. Just tell your insurance company you want SafeLite, or call us at 1-800-800-2727, or go to SafeLite.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we were just talking flower show, and one thing that I forgot to talk about was that Cindy Williams and I will be doing the awards this year uh, for all the gardens. So on gala night, I'll be there with Cindy on the stage talking about the different companies and the awards that are being given out, and also be available just to discuss anything you'd like, the radio show or whatnot. Please submit your uh, questions to the radio show on estbrooksonline.com backslash radio. Or if you want, just visit our Facebook page and uh, throw a question out there. If you'd like, you can be on the radio with me also. When you fill out the form on our website, it'll say, do you want to be on the radio or don't you? Yes or no. Um, And a lot of times I'll contact folks. I haven't been lately just because we've been getting kind of our feet underneath us here. But in the near future, we're going to start bringing in some folks and and, uh, doing these questions live on on the radio show. So submit your questions on our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. And uh, since it is March, it's time to start talking seeding. It's time to start getting those plants going. If you're one of those self-starters that wants to, you know, not come into the garden center and buy all your plants, you want to try to grow some of your own stuff. We have a question here from Anna um, from Brunswick. How and when should I start seeds like peppers, tomatoes, marigolds, and other flowers? Okay. Starting seeds is one of those things that it all depends on how big a garden you necessarily have, whether it's worth your time, energy. But starting seeds can be very rewarding, especially if it's there's some things that, or varieties that you can't get at your local garden center. So in March now, we've got quite a bit of sun. Things are, are turning around as far as the day length. Uh, our spirits are high. So why not start some seeds? So the first thing I like to recommend to customers is you come to the garden center and you buy what we call a indoor greenhouse. It's a very simple thing. It's basically kind of like a terrarium. You also could use this indoor, you know, um, greenhouse as a terrarium to tell you the truth. Like we talked earlier, any container that holds moisture will work. But the nice part about these mini greenhouses is it's an 8 eight by 11 tray. Um, and it has a nice clear dome that clicks onto that tray and holds moisture in. Now, moisture can be good and bad. You can use soil to seed in or you can use a like a Jiffy product or some other soilless type of media. Starting tomatoes, my first question would be, how many tomatoes do you need? Because you're going to buy this nice little seed packet of tomatoes, and there's going to be 30 seeds in there, and you're going to seed every single one of them, and that means 30 plants. So how much space do you have would be the first question I have. With tomatoes, I usually recommend people come into the garden center and buy some tomatoes. It's a long crop. It's tough to do in the house. Um, and unless you're growing, you know, 10 to 15 tomatoes and have a big garden, it's probably not worth your time or effort. Same thing with peppers. Peppers, you need more plants, but you need a lot of heat and you need a lot of light and you need a lot of fertilizer to make them do what you need to do. So tomatoes, 
you know, they're easy to seed. They sprout very easily. Um, now's about the right time to start thinking about it. Peppers, same thing. Um, you could have even started a couple weeks ago on peppers if you wanted to. Um, flowers were probably a little bit early. And what I always like to do is look at the back of the seed pack. It will tell you the number of days to flower or number of days to harvest. So you back up from the, the likely harvest date or flower date to when you should seed this, these plants. So if it's 60 days, our typical time frame for plants to be able to be planted outsiders the end of May. So I, I always just go June 1st. So if it's a 60-day plant, you probably need to be around March 1st if you want them in bloom for that time. If you want them in bloom for August, then you wait until maybe May to seed them. So it all depends on how much flower and enjoyment you want. If you want to start earlier, you're going to get into flower a lot earlier. Marigolds seed up. They, they sprout very quickly, and they bud up very quickly. So if you start them too early, you will have a plant that's blooming indoors for quite some time. We can't plant them out till later in the end of May, so it's not really beneficial to start them too early. Now, the one problem with that is African marigolds. African marigolds are daylight sensitive. If you start them too late, they won't bloom. So your typical smaller marigolds, you can start anytime. But your African marigolds, the large, tall marigolds with big orange or yellow flowers, the old-fashioned one that grandmother had forever, big old flowers, um, been around forever, those, you know, you've got to kind of do a little bit earlier. They're a longer crop, and they, they do have some daylight sensitivity to them. So if you start them too late, they won't butt up, and they won't, they'll be nice and green. They'll grow well, but you just won't do very well with them. Other flowers, my suggestion is start in April. It's a little bit early. You'll have about a month before you have to transplant. That gets you to the 1st of May. And then you can transplant into some smaller pots, you know, or six-packs or small containers. Grow them out for about another month so you've had two months to get your plants ready before you can plant them out into the garden. With annuals, the earlier you plant them into the garden, the colder the soil temperatures. They just kind of sit there. So, you know, that end of May time frame is really good for seedlings because you have no way of hardening them off. And what I say by hardening off is in the garden center what we do is we actually lower the temperatures at night to get them ready to acclimate to go out into the garden. So when you come in Mother's Day and you're buying your plants to do in your containers and out in the garden and you're kind of pushing your luck, which is fine because many springs were fine. But what we've done in the garden center is we've started to harden off those plants. We've told them that they're going to get planted outside. We've done some work to acclimate them to that transition. When you're growing seedlings inside, there's no real way for you to do that effectively. Now, you can take them and put them out on the deck, you know, and get them acclimated to going outside. The trouble is you go off to work. There's no one there to water there's no one there to protect from the wind. So it's a little tougher for you to acclimate these plants. So I always tell people, if you're seeding stuff, plan for the end of May, always the end of May, early June, that you're going to transplant these out. Come into the garden center for the stuff that you're going to plant a little bit earlier um, because we've done the work for you. Pick varieties that you can't find elsewhere. 
Now, we carry a ton of varieties, but there's always certain things that you might like that you can't find at a garden center. You know, so it might be Love's Lives Bleeding, or it might be Nicotiana Sylvestris. You know, it might be some of these heirloom plants or heirloom varieties that, unfortunately, we can't carry every variety. It's just physically impossible with our site conditions and or we can't fill every customer's need with, with, with all the vast varieties. And let's face it, there are 500 new varieties every year that are introduced to us. We have to make choices on which ones we think are the best for you. But you may have some of those old-fashioned plants that we no longer carry or those heirloom plants that Grandma always had in the garden that you just love. It brings you back to your childhood. Those are the types of things I would recommend you, you work on seeding. Now, seeding has its problems. So you've got this nice little greenhouse you've come in and you've bought. You've talked to us about the different types of seeds you want. You've talked about, you know, your choices and when you need to start them. So when you come into the garden center, we can go over all of that. We can kind of give you dates of when we think you should start these plants. We can give you an idea what type of soil to use. We can give you an idea of what type of fertilizer. You know, organic fertilizer is really a good way to go on seedlings. And you don't need a lot. Over-fertilizing can be one of the biggest problems you have in the home because you don't have a lot of light and the plants will stretch for sunlight. So having good sunlight is another important part. So you've got your tray, you've started to seed, you've got your greenhouse top on there. It's kind of acting like a terrarium. You see the moisture kind of bubbling up on the top and it's kind of raining down periodically. Now's the time when we have to be very careful about dampening off, which is a fungus that attacks small little seedlings. So a little bit of fungicide might be a good thing. Or the other thing we need to do is once the seeds are up, there may be have two or three what I call true leaves. So when your seedlings come up, you'll first see a couple small leaves. And they'll be very, very small, um, real light green and then you'll start to see secondary leaves. Those secondary leaves are called true leaves. And what I would say, when you start to see true leaves, now is the time when you want to start venting your seedlings. The best time to vent your seedlings is in the evening. Adds moisture back into the home, so you're humidifying your home. Um, and also, it lets them breathe a little bit overnight. It might also be the time when you're starting to think about taking that top away, okay? The tough thing is when you're not there during the day, if they dry out in that sun that's in the window, there's no one there to kind of protect it. So a combination of maybe you take the top off and you just kind of rotate it, maybe 10, 10%, just so there's a half an inch of airspace, but it's still kind of able to condensate on the inside of the, of the top, but it also vents a little bit. That keeps the heat down inside, but also continues to give you moisture. So venting is very important once you get your seedlings up. Use a greenhouse that's smaller rather than larger, and buy multiple of them so that you can start seeds at different times. Seed starting is very rewarding. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, there's a few issues that you can run into, like dampening off. But the big thing that I've always found is when to separate or sacrifice some of your seeds. Okay, so you've seeded this nice little beautiful tray. You've got a bunch of seeds that have come up in a row maybe, 
And now you either have to thin them or transplant them into a bigger container. And when do you do that? Well, you basically probably want about three to four weeks before you, you transplant. But it might be only a week or two before you thin your seeds. So you've put the seeds in fairly thick. The plants are starting to get pretty good size. Maybe it's time to thin your rows. You know, you're going to sacrifice some of those plants so that the other plants have space to get really nice and big, can become sturdy. And we do this out in the garden, too, with plants we seed directly into the garden. But inside, it's really important to know that time frame of when you need to to sacrifice some of the plants. Most of us wait too long. The earlier you can do it effectively, the better. And what that will do is it will increase it'll increase the quality of your plants down the road. So after about a month, maybe six weeks, you're going to start to see the plants are going to have really nice root systems. Now it's time to transplant them into a bigger container. Something maybe three-inch, four-inch pots, something like that. Come into the garden center. We can give you recommendations on what to transplant into. Use a nice organic uh, potting soil at that point, like Costa Maine. Um, And what that will do is give you a really good foundation for when you transplant out into the garden. Giving them extra space and having extra root development space in your pot is not a bad thing. But the situation is you don't want to go too big. And when just after you transplant, you want to water thoroughly and start to fertilize. But you don't want to overwater because you've added all this soil. So for the first week, we're going to make sure they don't wilt. But we're not going to overwater. We're going to lightly fertilize. And then as we go from week one to two to three to four, we'll pick up our watering. We'll pick up our fertilization. Once the roots get to the bottom of the container, then we can go ahead and really start to aggressively feed. And by then, it's probably Mother's Day. We've got two weeks before they need to really be outside. Now's the time we're going to need to harden off. In mid-May, early May, Our temperatures are warm enough. You can put them out on the deck all day. You can water them before you leave, and the likelihood is they're going to be fine by the time you get home, unless you're going out to dinner and it gets down to 28. So make sure if you're going to go out probably later that evening. If you're home at 5 o'clock, you're probably fine because our temperatures are warm enough at that time. But always be cautious of Mother Nature. She loves to disappoint us at any moment uh, here in Maine. It's one of those situations where Maine is unforgiving, and so is she. If you have other questions, please contact us on our website at estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. We'd love to hear from you. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more for the joy of gardening on News Talk WLB. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Espoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. 
Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to the joy of gardening. Um, we just were talking about vegetables and seeding and, you know, the one thing I want to say is come to the garden center. It's really important that you you come in and talk to us. If you're just starting out seeding some of your own plants and whatnot, we're here to help. Um, we've seen it all. We, we've been through it. We do it in our own greenhouses. So we know kind of some of the problems that can arise. And don't hesitate to shoot us pictures, share with us in any way, email us. You know, we want you to feel comfortable about doing this. It's not that hard. It really just comes down to how much time you have and whether or not it's enjoyable for you and whether or not you have the space indoors. And, you know, it's a great way to kind of get yourself in the mood of gardening. It's a great way for you to plan for your garden if you're doing your own seeding. So there's a lot of benefits to it. I would definitely recommend trying something. You know, it can be as simple as some basil in a four-inch pot or a six-inch pot. Buy a packet of basil. Throw it in the pot. Put some saran wrap over the top. Water it in. Put some saran wrap over the top. And then wait for it to sprout. When it comes up, take the saran wrap off and enjoy your own basil in about six weeks. Have a nice little uh, little fresh basil for your dinner. But we're going to kind of switch gears here. So it's March. And we're going to talk birds. Birds are, are something that uh, many of us as gardeners also enjoy all winter. But March is kind of that transition time when there's nothing better when I wake up in the morning and I hear all the birds chirping. Or I see that crab apple that I've, I, I have out in the front yard and the birds are all over it stripping the fruit off of it. It tells me spring is coming. It tells me that all of our creatures are coming back. And birds are a great sign to things are happening south of us that it's inevitable that we're going to have a quick spring when you start seeing all these birds show back up. Now, I want to talk a little bit about we've been feeding the birds all winter. And this kind of goes to my tip of the week. Birds are something that we work on consistently all winter. We try to attract all the birds that are here natively. You know, they're they're out in the out in the wild, they need food, we give them the suet, we give them all the beautiful seed they want. Of course we have those pesky squirrels that come in and try to steal all of it. And March is a great time where we start to neglect the bird feeder. You know, we've gone out there in the middle of snowstorms and put the feed in the bird feeder and we've enjoyed those birds all winter. But March is the time when now we have to get back out there and we have to start thinking about all the birds that are going to be arriving in the next few weeks. And depending on our season, there may be an abundance of food or there may not. So bird feeders are a very nice way to interact with nature and also fill a need for some very hungry little critters. Hopefully not that big gray squirrel that's been fattened up all winter. But the likelihood is he's going to be there too. So the tip of the week this week is get out there and clean your bird feeders. Okay. So take that seed. You may have filled it up, you know, a couple weeks before or a week before. Dump it out. 
Maybe there's some seed that's in the bottom that's not so great. Let's get rid of that. Let's sterilize the bird feeder. Let's clean it up nice. Let's get all the broken shells. Let's kind of sterilize it down, um, you know, with a little cleaner. Obviously, make sure and wash it thoroughly so that there's nothing there to contaminate the feed or, you know, something harmful for the birds. But cleaning and adding new suet and doing all of those things, you will get an abundance of birds. Make sure that there's always a nice big evergreen tree close to where you have your bird feeders. And this is a tip that a lot of people don't think about. They put a shepherd's hook out in the middle of the lawn with their bird feeders. But what they don't realize is birds need structure in order to fly to a bird feeder. So they come in and they grab the seed and then they need to go off and fly someplace to eat that seed a lot of times. Especially the migratory birds that will be coming up and down. So give them a place they feel safe to eat and you'll have them coming to your feeder a lot more. So think about your winter interest. You know, we talked about this in the past in past shows about what your yard looks like in the winter. And those evergreen trees not only give you great winter interest, but they also give you great bird habitat, give you a way to give shelter to your birds. So put put your bird feeder someplace within maybe 50 yards of a nice big evergreen tree if you can. Obviously, you want to see it from the kitchen sink or whatnot. But that's the tip of the week. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening this week. We'll visit you next Saturday morning from 7 to 8 o'clock. And thank you, and have a great weekend. So get out there and have fun. Enjoy your garden. Tune in every week from 7 to 8 a.m. at WLOB 1310 a.m. and WLOBradio.com. To pick up the podcast, visit us at estabrooksonline.com and uh, enjoy your week. We hope to see you next week. <laughs>